Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Years. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy inauguration day, Joe. Oh, yeah, I hate these bullshit made up. Oh, wait, no, this one's actually this, kind this of important. This, this is a good one. <laughs> we are actually celebrating today. We are back from mid-midwinter break. I call it our Christmas New Year break, but because there's always something at the start of the year, in years gone by, it was the PCA, uh, this year it was the blowout series, it kind of like extends into the first few weeks of January. Yeah, well, we've been on a bit of a break. It's crazy how slow the news has been <laughs> during this time. Nothing at all has happened, but luckily, as James mentioned, a lot of poker went on in the form of the blowout series so today's show we got lots of blowout recaps coming up for you facts figures winners all later in the show um not only did i break my losing streak and my home game over the holidays but i also had perhaps one of the luckiest things of all time happen to me while we were gone so this week i promise later in the show there will be a good beat story with no bad beats, no hidden bad beats, I guarantee. Okay, I look forward to this. Guarantee, not guaranteed. No, seriously, no bad beat this time. And finally, um, James, have you ever encountered a false jury? <laughs> I don't think I have, no. No, I, I haven't either. But in, in case you do, we've got the real thing here so you know the difference. True Jordy. Uh, YouTube sensation is on the show this week. He is a poker fan. He's playing under the stars banner these days. So we're going to find out just what the heck this dude's deal is. I'm excited to meet the true Jordy. Uh, and finally, this week's super fan is Michael Peters. No relation to David, I'm assuming. Uh, and his specialist subject is nineties grunge music. That's right. We're getting musical this week. Um, Still has to be text-based questions. Can't have any musical cues, alas. Uh, Patrick says he quite enjoyed compiling the quiz, so make of that what you will. Isn't it kind of sad that grunge music to Patrick is oldies? Oh, yeah. I mean, whether I gave him 90s grunge or, you know, 1950s beat bop, it's all the same to him. It's old music. Unbelievably. Uh, so, typically, this is where we would rattle off uh, what we've been watching since the last show. But since there's too much of that to go over, too much poker to cover, and we really want to sink our teeth into some of it. So we're going to do a pop culture roundup in a couple of weeks. I think what really prompted this, first of all, we did it last year, right? We had that show with Jess Wellman where we went over a, a number of things. I think what really prompted this, Joe, is that Wonder Woman 1984 came out over Christmas, and I know it went straight yeah. to HBO Max in the US. It came yeah. out on Premium VOD in the UK a few weeks after its cinema release. We both had a chance to see it. There is so much to say about this film, none of it particularly kind, that we need a podcast to really get into that. And some of the other things that have been going on on TV and on the, I guess everything's on TV these days, including movies. I guess long and short form content, lots to discuss. Yeah, and so I guess if you guys want to join in with us, it's going to be Wonder Woman, Tenet, uh, uh, WandaVision. So if you want to catch up on some of the bigger stuff over the next couple of weeks, you can come along for the ride with us. So, James, yeah, without telling me what you watched, sure. how are your holidays? Um, really quiet and really boring. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I started playing Tetris Effect on your recommendation, and... 
finally got round to watching Narcos Mexico, something we won't be discussing in our uh, pop culture special because it's like two years old. But bear in mind, I'm really behind on a lot of shows, a lot of Netflix shows. So that's what I found myself watching, interesting, on New Year's Eve. And I'm midway through this really nasty, nasty torture scene when I looked at my watch and realized, oh, it's the new year. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I marked the new year. <laughs> You're like, feels right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, I think most people had a quiet holiday this year. And if you didn't, we will shame the fuck out of you. Um, no, I don't really. I wasn't getting that into that this time. Um, we did have a couple of interesting things happen. One in that my girlfriend's sister came to visit, who is um, kind of at a, like a crossroads in her life where a lot of people are right now. And she's not really sure what her next move is. So she has kind of moved in. Oh, right. House. I was going to say, she like stranded at your house the same way that Sam Grafton is stranded at his parents' house. Kind of, yes. You know, because it, you can't just like bounce around uh, like you no. used to. You kind of need to stay put in places for a while. So um, she's been here for uh, just about a month now. So that's been interesting having a, a fourth person here. Um, you know, what's really weird about it is that it's four people, all of whom are used to being independent adults and not really part of a nuclear family yeah. for a long time. So sometimes, like, f there's four dinners. Like, I will cook most days now, but if the people here don't want to eat, they just, like, get their own food. So I'm starting to get a little annoyed. If traditional the, like, number sitcoms of meals taking place was still a thing which i'm really glad they're not by the way but if traditional sitcoms were still a thing this would be the recipe for like one of those really awful kind of yes. like network tv shows yeah uh and we also got um james you're gonna love this i've kept this a secret from you we got a part-time fifth member of the household <gasps> is it a pet? Uh, is it an animal yes yeah, sort of um there is a a neighborhood cat that kind of makes the rounds uh, he comes by a couple times a day and he sits outside and he cries until we go outside and give him attention and food. And he tries to get in the house. Like he's a, he's a bit of a, a bit of a scoundrel. He tries to get in the house and I won't let him in only because I know I would keep him. Um, but he's got a collar and his name is Burger King. Burger King, the cat. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. So like two, three times a day, Burger King, the cat comes by the whole, everyone comes outside. It's like a big, you know, we're still in fucking lockdown here. So it's like a huge event where you get a visitor a few times a day. And I got to tell you, I didn't look, but this cat, you can see why he's uh he's a, a bit of a, a vagrant. He has got a gigantic set of balls on him. Like just the, so he is just, I'm sure a, a terror in the neighborhood clearly like here living in about seven different homes and yeah, exactly. getting probably seven or eight different meals a day yeah and he's brazen like he comes in the backyard he comes in the front yard and he just he just wails and the the problem is james i love my girlfriend very much and when i see her how excited she gets when the cat comes by it just melts my little heart <laughs> it melts my cold black pixar hating heart in, and I actually feel something for a few minutes. So I really love when this dude comes by. So we basically have a five-member household at this point. Love it. Love it. The adopted cat becomes the fifth member. And I have to say, 
perfect thing that was just the missing element in our sitcom treatment. Yep, yeah, a talking cat is going to be in my version. So, all right, you watch Narcos on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. Again, my New Year's a little bit uh, quiet, obviously. I did not drink. Now, the reason I did not drink, and I haven't really been drinking, is is because my voice, we all hear it. Obviously, my bosses hear it, the audience hears it, my co-hosts hear it, um, and... uh, Look, a lot of people reach out with concern, and I will say that I know it's well-meaning. Sometimes I find it annoying, not when friends do it, but when random people tell me to drink water, right? Like, oh, drink some water. I've tried. I've tried drinking water. Um, it's, I don't find it that amusing when people joke and say, like, oh, Stapes has been on a bender. Uh, my voice is my... Um, it's my livelihood. It's, of course. It's but, I but I think that there's, there's two things to say to you. I completely understand why you don't find it amusing because obviously you're yeah. understandably concerned about it. And it's obviously a, an issue that's been plaguing you for some time now. Yeah. On the other hand, and this is where I'm playing devil's advocate slightly, but kind of seeing it from their perspective, if you are going to perpetuate this image as someone who is a bit of a party animal, who does drink a lot or kind of stays up late, gets up early, lives that kind of lifestyle, I know you know, events of 2020 kind of prevented that. You can understand why people might be saying, oh, Stapes is that a rough one. Definitely. So in order to be fair to everyone, I'm going to come clean with everybody and just say, I do have a medical problem with my voice going on right now. A few years ago, James is well aware of this. This medical problem became uh, aware to us. Aware? We were made aware of this medical problem. My brain problem notwithstanding. Um, in that we... Um, I started having a similar voice problems. I had precancerous cells on my vocal cords, guys. And I didn't, I wasn't public about it because honestly, I didn't want a bunch of people to wish me well. I didn't want the attention. I didn't want people to be concerned. I just wanted to quietly, I had to have a surgery to remove these cells off my vocal cords. It's very uncharacteristic of you to not want attention. I, I only like negative attention. I don't know. Um, it's just, you know, it isn't the kind of attention I wanted. I, I don't, I, you know, the people genuinely reaching out to me I, is part of his laziness. I'm not going to lie. People genuinely reaching out to me to heartfelt say, I hope you feel better. I feel the need to respond. And I, that's time consuming. And I just wanted to focus on uh, recovering and, uh, and again, it's just kind of a private thing. This, for better or for worse, was not able to be hidden as well because we've been broadcasting so much. And so I need, uh, this has developed, those, those cells have returned and I need to have another procedure done. That'll be happening in a few weeks. Guys, I'm going to ask you right now, we don't need to talk about it. You don't have to wish me well. I, I don't, it's, it's, it's just annoying to me and i i do appreciate it yeah I, I look i get how frustrating it is for you but i guess the silver lining is at least you know what it is and you yes, know we having- went for weeks guys me and james and francine our boss we you know hey can you rest your voice what's going on of course uh, i it would only be logical for people i work with to have the same thoughts that the audience had is stapes 
losing his mind during quarantine? Is he partying too hard when he's not on the air? Um, and th- that potentially could have been the case. It just happened to not be because once I realized this was happening, I shut it all down um, for about six weeks and things didn't get better. It was very difficult to get a doctor's appointment for non-threatening, non-life-threatening things. Yeah. Um, during quarantine, it took me about eight months to get this doctor's appointment uh, rescheduled. They wanted to do it over the phone. Obviously, that doesn't fucking work. So, um, guys, we are going to, uh, I am going to disappear for a little bit uh, for hopefully just a couple of weeks after this gets taken care of. Not for a little while. I'll still be around for a bit. Thank you for your concern, everybody. And we're going to get it taken care of. But do not wish me well. I will block you. Well, we I all wish you well, you. Joe, as you, uh, I mean, in all seriousness, though, Having been down this road before, knowing what it is and knowing that the last procedure was successful, there's every expectation this will be the same. And therefore, there's a resolution in sight, right? Yes. There's a potential yes. end to this period. It was a is- harrowing six weeks when I didn't know what was going on and I thought my voice was just destroyed. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought I just wrecked it. And it turns out, probably not. Again, things with voices are weird. They can't guarantee anything. But the last time I had the surgery, it was with a knife. This time it'll be a laser, which should be less invasive, less recovery time, less risk to my overall vocal health. So thank you guys. And hopefully we just have it wrapped up. But you're right. It's that knowledge of now I know what it is and we got a date set for it to get taken care of. Well, talking of lasers, Joe, they were a huge part of what (laughs) we have been streaming. You're going to do my surgery with your laser eyes. For the last. (laughs) Just look down my throat. And singe off my my precancer with your DJ laser eyes. We're talking about the blowout series. And the thing is, I cannot hear this music now without thinking of helicopters, without thinking of the DJ with the laser eyes. Um we have the final stats on the blowout series, Joe. The final numbers okay. are in. 265 events. Shit. 2 million plus entries. Series prize pool of $92.3 million, with first place prize money totaling $11 million. How do now, they come up with 265 events? Is it like me when I play roulette where I'm like, all right, put this on nine, now 11, now 23? Now 24. Now, well, thir- like, that's, that's so many events. I guess when I say events, I should say tournaments, right? Because each sure. event has a low, medium, and high buy-in, which then... So everything is multiplied by three. Yeah. That's why you end up with such a big number. Um, yeah. But I, I want to start at the beginning and rewind back to the end of 2020 when the blowout series started, because it did not get off to the most auspicious start. We had the first big blowout, the $109 buy-in version, which didn't cover its guarantee. There was an overlay of around $1.2 million. And I guess at that point you'd say, well, okay, we did something bold. We did something ambitious, a $5 million guarantee on a $109 event just a couple of days after Christmas. But, you know, is this series going to work? And interesting, I want to quote from the Pokestars blog today. In asking the question, was the blowout series a success? The prize pool, I just read to you, 93 
million, right? No, sorry, 92.3 million. Well, the yeah. guarantee across the series was 65 million. So I think Holy it's shit. fair to say, yes, the blowout series worked. And maybe with some tinkering next year, we can make the 109 version work as well. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, but the last big blowout, the last event that we streamed was huge. A near $7 million prize pool, a three-way deal, which saw Fernando Viana, who just to specify once again, was the player who won the Stadium Series Grand Final last summer. Fiana got the single biggest cash, the single biggest slice of money, um, which was 771k. But it was the online qualifier from Lithuania, Arba Arba, who qualified for $109, who was the official champ, and cash for 740 k And that was a great story for us. Abra-bra, as we like to call him. Yeah, absolutely. Always awesome when the uh, qualifier just, you know, we love seeing that huge multiplier on the initial investment. That's what got us all into poker in the first place, right? Chris Moneymaker and his multiple thousand time multiplier on whatever the legendary buy-in was, $57, whatever it was. That's the kind of stuff that us regular folks are tuning in for. So I'm a little disappointed for Effiana that he can't say yeah. like that he won the the main event of two of the biggest online series of the year, two, two series that didn't exist uh, before 2020 and 2021. Um, Would have been cool to be like, wow, this dude took down both brand new things. Kind of a win. Oh yeah. You know, once there's, once there's a deal, obviously, uh, it, it, you know, it's sort of makes, I mean, they still played for 50 K. So I guess we can't really credit the win, but a first and a second still really stellar. And two huge scores. Um, the series yeah. did see a few double blowout champs, including Wizzo Wizzo, that's Ola Shemian, and Lena 900. Uh, Lex, as well documented, had a second and a fourth. That latter result in the 5 K high roller being his biggest online score to date. Ali Shaban had a W and, even though we didn't yeah, get to showcase right. that particular tournament, Joe, across our eight blowout streams, it was a fun mix of action because we got to watch the high rollers where you get the usual you know, high standard of play. And then we had some great stories in the big blowouts as well, plus combined with great analysis from the gang. And uh, just a quick sneak behind the scenes. After we finished last night, we all kind of caught up uh, on Zoom and we didn't kind of, like stay up too late because everyone was like you know you're finishing on a tuesday night everyone's got to get up early for work the next day and yeah. sam grafton reveals oh i've got an early start tomorrow because <laughs> sam normally gets up at 5 p.m but was doing a one-on-one -on -one coaching session at 3 30 in the afternoon which meant sam had to get up before 3 30 p.m and that was an early start and he was genuinely dreading it yeah you know look the, we'll never understand that life it's still and i guess in a lot of ways i'm glad that life still exists right that's also what's kind of appealing about poker to a lot of people you make your own schedule you work when you want to work sam unfortunately had to work his day job of coaching at 3 30 in the afternoon um but good for him you know whatever i'm, I'm glad that there's still kind of a rock star lifestyle that exists absolutely Absolutely. Uh, of course, we weren't the only ones streaming. Uh, we already referenced Lex and Arlie, Spraggy, Finton. Plus, 
And this was interesting. We also saw more poker streams from True Geordie. Now, this guy is a YouTuber who played in Stadium Series, played in WCOOP last year, and now he has started a partnership with Stars. So we are going to see a lot more of him in the future. In fact, we're going to see his bearded face right now because he's the guest on this week's show. Thrilled to welcome Brian Davis, True Geordie, to the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm great, lads. How are you doing? We're all right. I'm excited to talk. Hey, Brian, pretend like I'm an American and I have no idea the rest of the world even exists. Tell me what I'd be missing out on if I didn't know who True Jordy was, even though I, Joe Stapleton, am a very worldly American. Let's pretend I'm not, and I totally know what the whole Jordy thing is about. Uh, well, a, a Jordy is someone from the north of England, um, and it's a nickname given from for people from a certain part of England called Newcastle. Now... Uh, a true Geordie is someone who sort of embodies that sort of part of the world, I guess. Like you could say a true Texan, uh, I don't know, okay. like, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so it was sort of a nickname that was sort of given to me by accident and it just sort of stuck with me on the YouTube thing. So I just ran with it as you do when something sticks, you you keep it going, don't you? Um, and I sort of, um, I don't know if you want a little bit of background about me. Yeah, Please. I mean, that's the serious question, I guess, is how you became True Geordie, what what your background is, and how you ended up posting videos on YouTube. Um, long story short, I had a, a football team or a soccer team who were really annoying <laughs> me at that moment. And uh, I, I vented uh, at one particular player, and as these things do, they go viral. And, uh, and then I became that crazy sort of guy for a minute there. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, let me, I'll put a few more videos out. Um, people just seem to like them. And then I branched out from that little um, filming on that terrible little laptop that I had to luckily uh, getting the podcasting. We've had um, some names like Ricky Gervais, Tyson Fury, uh, big names on the podcast, exciting people like that. And uh, and then I got it. I just sort of decided, you know, it's not about football. It's about whatever I want to talk about, fighting football life. Uh, all the things that young men struggle with, I've pretty much covered it in detail. And uh, and then we, we're now ending up poker. But every passion I have, I just bring to the fans and they sort of seem to click with it. So let me get this right. You went online to basically have a rant about someone and from that you've somehow managed to carve out a career. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, an op- I'm an opportunistic bastard like most poker players <laughs> are. Um and I had a proper job at the time, which was I was working uh, offshore as a diver, um, deep Whoa. sea diving, which ironically was where I first played cards when I was on the boats with the boys. Right. In underwater? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a, a hard job. So, you know, sitting talking to a camera seemed like an easier gig. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I, I thought, you know, less risky. Uh, if if the power goes down, you just restart the computer. Um, so <laughs> that that sort of um, that yeah, that happened. It's 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 quite crazy, but I feel like that's sort of the way the internet is, isn't it? You you yeah. get your little break, and you either make it work for you, and you figure this stuff out, or it you're a one hit wonder. Um, so luckily, I, I I made it work. Yeah, but it's weird how. The grass is kind of always greener, right? Because right now, 
I actually think the idea of being a deep sea diver sounds really romantic and kind of like would be a wonderful change from sitting here inside this uh, fake arena speaking into a camera, which is what we've been doing for the last few years. Let me tell you, definitely not. Like those days were long and hard and dangerous and you were freezing and yeah, the waves are coming over the side of the ice. It was, it was horrible. You know what I mean? It was, it was exciting, but like, Everything has a shelf life, and I realised that I didn't want to be like some of these older boys on the on the boats who hadn't seen their families and friends for most of their lives because they're working away up for months on end. So I figured that out quite quickly. I was just didn't know where I was going to end up, but luckily life had this in store. Yeah. Were you searching for buried treasure? <laughs> no, it was that oil. Uh, it was the oil game, basically. Sort and, uh, of wind farms. Wind farms, yeah. So there was treasure somewhere, I guess, for the for the big oil companies. They were making lots of money, and I somebody was getting, was getting rich, just not you. Yeah, I was getting, I was getting a lot more. Like at the end of the day, when I when I got in, I was like, okay, I risk my life for money. I'm a working class kid. That you know, are we allowed to swear on this? By the way, I don't. Yeah, wanna... absolutely. Okay, well, I, I was like, fuck it, I'll, I'll risk my life for money because all my mates are working in the same dead-end jobs that I'm going to end up in, so I need to give this a go. And then, obviously, when YouTube fell into my lap, I was like, okay, well, I'll give this a go then. What do what do those people from your old life think of you now that you're an influencer and they're all still swinging shovels or diving mm-hmm. and digging for things? Oh, I don't know. Uh I still see myself as one of the boys, and whenever I'm with them, it's the, I'm still the kid who uh, who threw up in a bath when he was on holiday in Ibiza. Like you know, um, I'm still the <laughs> who same. Who hasn't? Yeah, I, I, I still get my hair cut at the same barbers. I'm I, you know I'm still I'm the same guy, but I've just been very lucky. So I hope they would think that. Um, I don't know. You know that uh, you've seen Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, actually. Okay, there's a moment where, yeah, where Matt Damon is basically told, you owe it to us to kick the shit out of this opportunity that you've been given. Yeah. So I feel, I hope that they look at me and go, well done, you you made it. You awesome. know what I mean? Yeah. Glad to hear it. And I think it's incredible to see how you've basically grown a YouTube channel, grown a YouTube community. And as you kind of referenced there, always willing to try new things. And even though poker is a game that you played in your previous profession it's something that you're now playing more of now but of the online variant rather than actually on a boat with chips and cards <laughs> yeah um poker was a weird one because obviously uh starting the podcast i met charlie Carell very early on and i had no idea what i was dealing with i didn't really understand the the level of genius uh, that i was sort of talking to because i didn't fully understand poker you know, it was just a case of, well, if I've got these cards, I bet this, you know, like I didn't yeah. really get how high a level you could get to and, and the sort of brain power that requires. Uh, so when I started getting back into it, I was like, yeah, Charlie, I, I kind of fancy making some poker videos. So I sort of started picking his brain and he gave me some very short but intense lessons. And and then we, we played a few uh, tournaments and I think I, I, I got money in two out of three of them. So credit to Charlie. He's a good coach. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pick the brains of anyone in poker, I mean, Charlie's definitely kind of top 10, if not top five of the people that you want to well, speak to. You kind of, you, you stumbled across a good one there for sure. Well, I've been very lucky in life. So hopefully that <laughs> continues in poker. 
I mean, I think you've done some streams with kind of like Charlie uh, almost as a real-time coach, right? Kind of talking through decisions, talking through hands. Yeah, he sort of, uh, I mean, he can't tell me during the hand because obviously no. like, that, would, that isn't fair, but um, he kind of reviews my hands and goes, okay, this is what you probably did wrong. This is what you need to do more. But I find poker fascinating for personality reasons as well. I think the way certain personality types are so cut out for poker and certain ones just completely aren't. And at the time, I was also getting coached at boxing. And what is so strange is I'm getting taught by a world-class boxing coach and a world-class poker player, and their advice is identical. It is, it, it, it's, it's the same thing. It's almost poker and boxing are so closely related, but I just don't think many, no offense to poker players, but I don't think many of them looking at them would know that because you really would cross the two. But I know, I think David Hay was a poker player as well. So I, you, you, the whole point is obviously don't let the other guy know what you're going to do next. And and your behavioral patterns train the memory of your opponent to expect one thing, and then you give him the other thing. That's exactly how a boxer lands the killer punch, because he, he's memorized, he got him in your pattern. This is what I'm doing. So yeah, uh, I, I find um, strategy in poker fascinating. I actually have a, a question about the crossover between boxing and poker. Um, poker, obviously, we know, uh, that keeping your emotions in check is incredibly important when playing poker. Do they teach that in boxing as well? Yeah, ironically, the poker face is often commented in boxing. Like uh, when I was hitting my coach for the first time, I just looked at him. I said, why? I hit you hard there. I'm, I'm a big guy. And he was like, yeah, but if you know that, you're going to prey on that immediately. You're going to see the weakness. So it's it's similar on so many levels. It's... I think poker and boxing, uh, it's staggering how similar they are. That's really cr- I've not heard that before. I'm actually really fascinated by that. But I guess you can't give away every single secret uh, that you've been taught in a podcast. It's just strange, isn't it? Like how you could have two men from completely di- – I've got a guy who's from West Ham Boxing Club who's you know had a whole boxing career and a world champion poker player, and they're basically telling me the exact same thing for two different games, but world-class advice – it was just, and it, because it was happening at the same time, I couldn't help but draw the parallels. Yeah. I mean, over the last few months and even in recent weeks with the blowout series happening, you've had the opportunity to play some big events, big fields, and these games, these tournaments can go on not just for several hours, but for several days. I mean, how have you found that as an experience? Because I know for many people, it is both physically and mentally exhausting. That is the thing that I really underestimated you know uh charlie often talks about meditation and things like that and when i first met charlie i was like what is this hippie shit you know i didn't (laughs) really but i understand now because it takes immense levels of concentration for such lengths of time that is the thing that really blew my mind about it because i like to play like one or two hours of an evening yeah just maybe i might be watching netflix and playing a little poker and just relaxing. Whereas when Charlie plays, it is complete focus. Not like there is not a second where he's off. You know what I mean? And that that seems to be one of the main differences at the top level, I guess, is they can just focus for so long. Do you want to be a top level player like that and have to do the work that goes along with it? Hmm. Um. I don't know if I've got it in me. You know, I respect the level that these guys are at. And and yeah. Char- Charlie often tells me about 
some of the ways that these people are thinking, mathematically speaking, that I just, I haven't, I don't know if I can ever be that, but I, and also I think that may ruin the enjoyment for me if it becomes too serious. Serious. Sure. I want to love this and I want to have it as a fun thing. And yeah, I'll, I'll play the long days, but I think to, to the dedication, uh, you know, these 15 hour days that Charlie describes, sometimes even longer every day. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've got that in me and I don't even know if I'd be that good. But I mean, Charlie's, Charlie's told me like personality traits wise, I've got some of those um, instincts that are required to be a good poker player. So I guess while having fun, I want to go as far as I can. And one of the things I've never done really is played in person at a high stakes event. And I think um, through my years of podcasting, I've been interviewing people now for nearly five years. Um, I wonder if reading people the way I have had to through my years of interviewing will come in handy. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope you get that opportunity soon. Obviously, there's a, a lot of hurdles in the way right now, but hopefully it's not going to last for too much longer. Just one last thing on the online grind, though, because you've got the double challenge, right, of not only having to navigate these huge fields and play these very long events, but when you're streaming, you're also entertaining, right? You're talking to an audience, you're engaging an audience, so your mind's kind of in two places, yeah, that is hard, and I, I, not to sound like you know first world problems, but yeah. it is, it is tricky because I feel like sort of when I'm gaming, if I'm on my PlayStation and there's no camera and it's just me yeah. in the game, I'm always better because it's 100 percent all attention on that. I'm probably the same with poker uh, because you do take your eye off the ball for that split second where the other guy is sitting there focusing and you're sitting there replying to chat questions. So I'm probably not as good for that reason, but um, with Charlie sitting next to it, he, he tells me off. So that's good. <laughs> Do you find yourself um, making decisions based on not wanting, based on what you, how you think the audience is going to react oh, yeah. to it? 100%. There's been many times where I've gone all in just to be the ballsy idiot, you know, to, you know, make them laugh or whatever. And sometimes it works magically, but um I think when the time comes, I'll, I'll ditch all that. If I if I've got ever a good shot at real big money, I'm cutting them. <laughs> the audience is not on my head at that point. But I've never the most money I won. Uh, I won twelve thousand uh, dollars, which apparently in your first three tournaments is like a really good. A, yeah, good that's so a fantastic that. score. I mean, you know, a few hundred dollars is great. Yeah. A four figure score is brilliant. A five figure score now now we're cooking. Yeah, I got I got two thousand eight hundred on my first tournament, and then twelve thousand on my second one. I think something like that. Go fuck I yourself, man! Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm genuinely so naive because I'm like, wow, this shit's easy. I should have just quit YouTube years ago. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, before I turn you over to Mr. Stapleton for one of his um, interesting games and quizzes, uh, I have to ask about the showdown, the True Geordie film that debuted on YouTube a couple of weeks back. Uh, looks like you had a lot of fun making this. <laughs> it was it was mad because we had like a whole um, film crew who were using proper cinema cameras and uh, directors and everything like that. In But also, uh, again, to Charlie, he was there every step of the way of making sure each individual hand of poker actually would stack up so that we didn't end up with the um, Casino Royale 
shit show where it's like this would never happen yeah. um and you know i'm sure there's poker players out there who look and go well would that happen but everyone we tried to make every player in that moment play as though their personality would do and all the cards match up and um but more so um <clears throat> we just wanted to show like how fun poker can be with a group of friends because i feel yeah. like at the at the certain levels that you get to, everyone's wearing sunglasses, hoodies on, no eye contact, no conversation. And when I, I don't want to make that kind of show. Um, so we're putting together a new live show called The Showdown, where in my studio, we're going to have card readers, we're going to have a table set up, and we're going to have all my boys around. And it's going to be like a podcast, but we're all just playing poker and we're all talking, we're all ribbing each other. And hopefully brings something different to poker, which is that fun night in with your friends over a game of poker, but live and you can say everything we're doing right and wrong and something just new to the, the whole game. I, cause I wondered why you took the decision, for example, to do it as a kind of scripted mini film and not just have a game with your friends for real showcasing that. But now I get that this is almost like a trailer for that series that you're going to yeah. do. And there were some little clips in there where we had a few games where we just worked it into the edit. But right. um, yeah, that was it. To be honest, um, the the lads that we had at the poker table, uh, they they're not that level to just pl like to make it that good. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to get Charlie to give us all some, you know, um, some pointers. But um, I basically planned it out as though. How would he play? And to be fair, I think I got it spot on. <laughs> Wait, you, you, you're like, I know for a fact I played exactly like I channeled Charlie Carroll. Well, no, I just mean like I had to imagine how my boys around the table who I've known for years would play poker. Oh, how they, they would play. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. when I wrote the lines out, I was like, okay, he would say this, then he would play this hand, and then he would do. So it was it was tricky. I mean, that was a long day. Uh, we did it behind the scenes. We we went from morning till 3 a.m. making that. But um, yeah, I, I, I also... I just wanted to show my audience how fun this can be so that when we make the live show, they're not confused and they know what to expect. For sure. I guess before I get, I do have a dumb game for you before we get to that, I guess just my, my final question for you as an entertainer, what do you want? What do you want to be? Are you happy with what you've carved out now? Do you want to do more? Do you want to do more scripted things? What, what, what do you want? What's your... 10-year plan here um good question uh well so far what i've tried to do is be the guy who can do many things uh yeah. like obviously um we had the podcast and then i wanted to do a live sports show which was like um reactions to the, the soccer games over here uh then a live fighting show and now poker and uh, we've just done uh, a documentary which comes out this Sunday where I'm learning how to box, as I mentioned. Um, I think long-term, what I'm trying to do is to be uh, the successor of Joe Rogan. Now, <laughs> you know, aim high. You know, why Yeah, not? that's uh, fine. You got to aim high. The guy, he is my hero. Uh, he has been that way since before I started YouTube. So it's always been in my head of, you know, if people mention me in the same breath as him, which I, th I feel like a lot of people say, oh, the UK has true Geordie, um, when they, you know, mention me like that as a put, like, as a so where 
we are his answer, uh, the answer to Joe Rogan over here. That's the goal. Uh, obviously, what he's done is amazing, and there's a real blueprint there, but also I want to do it my way, so I don't just want to be like Joe Rogan. I want to be me. Uh, but I, I look at what he's done and think, okay, if I could carve out a career like that, and sure. I mean, he had a 20-year career in TV before he even started podcasting, so there's a lot of work to do. Excellent. Well, it's been good talking to you. I, I'm, I'm into it, man. I hope you... Anyway, I'll save that for the end. We're going to play a game now. I come up with a dumb game for all of my guests, of our guests, I should say. Uh, this one's called True Jordy or False Jordy. And I'm going to read you two statements about the city of Newcastle upon Thine. Tyne, yeah. Tyne, yeah, of course. Like, like Thames. Uh, one, will be, one will be a True Jordy statement. The other will be a False Jordy statement. Oh, God. Oh, All you have to do is pull the sword from the stone and be the ultimate true Jordy or false Jordy. It's up to you. Oh, God. Question number one. Category one, I should say. Working out your lats. One of these statements is true. One is false. Newcastle shares its latitude with Copenhagen, Denmark. False. In, hold on. I'm going to read you two. You say which one's true, which one's false. In the 1990s, Newcastle's tourism slogan was, it's not the latitude, it's the attitude. One is true, one is false. Jesus, I've got The latitude is the, uh, the... Right, so one of them's true, one of them's false. Correct. Uh, I want to say... <laughs> The Latitude Attitude one is true. The Latitude Attitude is made up by Joe Stapleton. <laughs> no idea. Well, so that that Here we go. Newcastle does share its latitude with Copenhagen, which is weird because when you look at them on like a map or on a globe, they're not insane. Yeah, that's because maps are fucked up. Yeah, that's they, true. They are bullshit. They're yeah. for real. Yeah. Category number two, choo-choos. Newcastle Central Station was the first covered station in the world. Newcastle Central Station was opened by Queen Elizabeth. I'm going to say that it was opened by Queen Elizabeth. It was opened by Queen Victoria. It was the first covered station in the world. Oh God almighty, this isn't going well, is it? <laughs> it's okay. You're, hey, you're, you're learning how to be a better true Jordy. Question number <laughs> three. Films. The 1971 gangster film Get Carter was shot in Newcastle. Or the 1971 Carry On film Two Handfuls of Biscuits was shot in Newcastle. The Carry On film must have been shot in Newcastle. Oh! <laughs> was it? I've never get, seen Get Carter. Oh. It is one of the best British movies ever made, starring Michael Caine, and yes, it is very much shot in Newcastle. Oh, God. See, when we're talking gangster films, I'm thinking Scarface, Goodfellas, Godfather, lads, come on. That, there, there, there are a couple of good British gangster films from that era, and mm. Get Carter is one of the best. Yeah, watch Well, now we're on a good topic. I love gangster films, so thank you. I'll have to check that out. There we go. At least we're, we're all learning something here. Exactly. Uh, category number four, health and medicine. Jesus. Statement one. The polio vaccine was invented in Newcastle. <sighs> Lucozade was invented in Newcastle. 
I'm going to say Lucasade was invented in Newcastle. Lucasade was invented in Newcastle. Well You're done. Right. Well, it's just because it's full of sugar, isn't it? So it's probably <laughs> what we That's why I included it in health and medicine. Mm. Category number five. Famous Geordies. Warwick Davis is from Newcastle. Or Jimi Hendrix's producer is from Newcastle. Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix's producer is from Newcastle, is correct. Believe it or not, on the website I was on, when they listed famous Geordie, the first person they listed was Jimi Hendrix's producer. Do you know how I know that? I've got I've got a little story. <laughs> Please. Jimi Hendrix, uh, once, but my grandmother was once telling me the story about how Jimi Hendrix tried to buy her house. And I'm like, Shut the fuck up. You're a liar, <laughs> Grandma. No, no. And she's like, no, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. And it turned out he'd spent quite a lot of time in Newcastle. So I ended up just believing her. So the minute you said that, I knew that was the right answer. There you go. All right. Well, you're, the grandma. you're two for the last two. If you hold out, you will have a winning score. Here we go. Category six. Jordy LaForge. Star Trek's The Next Generation's Geordi LaForge was named after a quadriplegic Star Trek fan, or Geordi LaForge was named after George Stevenson. <laughs> this is such a weird question. George Stevenson. George Stevenson is who all of Geordi's are named after, but Geordi LaForge <laughs> was named after a quadriplegic Star Trek fan. Oh, okay. Nightmare. So by my nightmare. calculations, You've got four wrong and two right. Let's try and go four and three, which is yeah, a right. semi-respectable score for one Almost of Joe's games. Right. You have to bear in mind, no one ever wins. It's a case of how bad your loss is. Correct. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. That's a lot like the Newcastle football team, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> Question number seven. The category is accentuate the positive. Statement one. The Geordie accent has been voted one of the most friendly and attractive in Britain. Statement two, the Geordie accent is currently ranked number three on Pornhub of all accents searched. Wow. <laughs> uh, it must be the friendly one. It must be. We don't sound sexy. It is. The Geordie accent has yeah. multiple times been voted most friendly and most attractive in Britain. Um, Brian Davis, True Jordy. Thanks so much, man. You're a delight. I can't wait to see more of you. Yeah, I hope to meet you guys in person someday, gents. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time today. Oh, all the best, lads. Thanks. So that is the blowout series in the books. Um, so we were streaming poker over the holidays, Joe. Did you get to play much? I think you referenced that things have turned around slightly in your home game. Yeah. So, well, I also referenced that when um, my voice really started to deteriorate, I stopped everything, including all non-essential Zooms, anything that wasn't work, you know, any video conferencing that wasn't for work. I spoke to my parents very briefly on Christmas and said, look, guys, I'm trying to rest my voice. I still didn't know what was wrong yet by then. So I skipped a lot of my home games because um, we there's there's like a written rule and an unwritten rule and, and most of the ones I play um, that if you're not on the Zoom, don't play. We're not, you know, it's 
It's a social thing. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. By the way, this this did lead me to posit the theory that Joe was faking the whole thing to get out of having to talk to his parents. But it turns out, <laughs> no, it's that, Look, that was, that was an absolute unintended benefit of it. That because I was texting them and saying, sorry, I haven't called. I'm resting my voice. And then on Christmas, when, they, when we spoke, they were like, okay, get off the phone. Yeah. So... That was that was a nice little extra gift was not having to talk to my parents on Christmas, um, but uh, I did play once when we had the big gap uh, between having to work. I was like, "Look, I'm going to play in one of my home games because I can still rest another five six days before I have to work again." So, um, and I will say, we did one game. We had a game on. Christmas and a game on New Year's Eve. Well, we would have. Our, our home game would have landed on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So Christmas Eve Eve, we decided to do one. Um, and uh, and I won it. I oh, won well it for the first time in five months. Um, maybe more. I won it. Uh, of course, uh, because it was Christmas Eve Eve, uh, it was five-handed. <laughs> as- <laughs> As opposed to the usual 16 we have. I don't know, Joe. Um, a win is a win as far as I'm concerned. That's right. And not only... we, I went heads up with none other than Maria Ho. And uh, not only did I beat Maria, but I beat her by winning a flip. Wow. Because I was going to say, is there any chance? Because Maria has been feeling a little bit sorry for you that she maybe soft played you. But if it came down to a flip, there's nothing either of you can do there. No, absolutely not. And as a result, I took down a very, a smaller than usual play money prize pool. <laughs> uh, but I did, I promised a good beat story. Yeah. And that wasn't exactly a good beat story. Um, I have, I've got a good one. Some of you probably know this already because you've uh, seen my social media posts, but in case you haven't, James, are you aware of what sports card box breaks are? Uh, no, I'm really glad you asked because I've seen you tweeting about this and I've got no idea what this is about. So please explain. Okay. So the sports card trading world has always been relatively um, popular. It, it dips up and down over the years. Um, but during quarantine, they've gone through the roof, right? So There's these, like, these are what, like kind of like cards with pictures of sports sportsmen with yeah, like stats like, on? Like, like for example, of- here is here is Dion Waters of the NBA, right? Okay, so this is very similar These to when I was growing up as a kid. We had like the Panini sticker albums where they were actually like so this stickers. is Panini. Oh right, okay. Panini makes these, but what they've done is they've um, they've sort of pivoted not during quarantine but just in life to making really high end glossy cards. And what they do now is there's obviously some rare cards in there. And during quarantine, the price of these rare cards have skyrocketed. And the price of a pack of cards has gone from like $5 to $20 to $30 for a pack of like eight cards. Wow. So what people do now is, so a case of cards is like $30,000 in some cases. How many cards in a case? It depends on the type of card you're buying in the case. Sometimes a case of cards will have 20 boxes of one pack of cards. Um, so you might just get like 100 cards in a case, 150 cards in a case. Holy shit. That's an obscene amount of money for some cards. It's an obscene amount of money. So the way now, because people are starved for 
sweats, right? Especially in America, you can't play online poker. You can't online gamble in most states. What people do now is these sports card brokers auction off what's called a box break. So you pay 75 bucks or a hundred bucks and you get entered into a random draw. And when they open this box, you get assigned a team. So let's say, so the, one of the first ones I ever did was for basketball. Right. And so I sent someone $75. He rolled a dice twice. Uh, you get one team in like the top tier of teams and then one team in the bottom tier of teams. So I was assigned, uh, the Lakers. Right. And the Clippers. Okay, this so seems when they open so this box unnecessarily of cards, over, overly complicated, but but I'm, I'm just about no, it's, following. No, it's like this to be fair, because if you say, I want the Lakers, they're, you're, you're going to get better cards than someone who picks a shit team. So it has no, to be I, randomized. I, I get that has to be random, yeah. So um, the guy who asked me if I want to be participate, his name's Tana. He runs uh, the Run Good Poker Series in the States. Everybody loves him. Uh, Run Good Gear. Great guy. Um he joked, I was like, well, what's the most I could win? He's like, well, you could hit a $10,000 Zion Williamson rookie card. And we laughed and we laughed. So I'm watching this live stream. I get assigned the Lakers and jokingly in chat, I write, come on, Kobe. Thinking Kobe Bryant is no longer in the league. Yeah. There's no way I could pull a Kobe Bryant card. And about five minutes into this stream, he opens up a card that is flipped backwards in the pack, which is typically indicative of a rare card. And it's Kobe. And he's going, oh, shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. I pulled an autographed. It's hard to see with the glare here. Let me get the angle right. An autographed Kobe Bryant card. Wow. On the card, now there's two types of autographs. One is called a sticker, where they have the players sign a sheet of stickers, and one is on card. The on cards are more valuable. Uh, I pulled this card, which is quite possibly the last basketball card that Kobe Bryant has ever signed. Holy shit. This card is selling on eBay right now. For It's two listings on eBay. One is $19,000. One is $21,000. Oh, my God. Now, there's a couple of caveats with this. Just because they're, they're being sold for that amount doesn't mean they will sell for that amount. Right. One. But I imagine you're cards watching those worth- auctions closely. Yes. Uh, the other is that those cards are rated. Now, here's the other huge racket. Of huge, you ha- in order to sell the card for that amount, you have to mail it in to like a, a review board who then rates the card and sends it back to you with like an official rating of what condition the card is in. And that costs a thousand dollars. Oh, come on. Come on. So it depends. It mean, depends on what your declared value of the card is. I mean, so wh- if I declare the cards worth 20 grand, they're going to charge me a thousand to rate it. But when you held that up just now, it, it, it's in like a plastic case. It's like a protective case. It, did it come in that or did you put it in that to, to look after No, it? like the guy who opened it, Put it in a sleeve and then in a case and then mailed it to me. So, you know, it's been through some things. And also, sometimes the card will get a bad rating based on no fault of your own. Like if the printing is slightly off. I mean, they look at it with like a jeweler's loop and judge it for like centeredness, color, 
Um, so and that now now the whole thing becomes uh, do if it if it's gonna get a bad rating, then I shouldn't send it in because it'll sell more with for more with no rating than it would with a bad rating. So there's this whole world that I'm now wrapped up in. And of course, the funny part is, I probably put like another two thousand dollars into opening more packs of cards. Because and once it's everything like since then has been, been worthless, right? That's the thing. You've, you've you struck gold. You should be. You know what you always say about if you had a big score in a poker tournament, you'd be out, right? You'd be one and done. That's kind of how you should probably be treating this. And I would say just sit on it, right? If you're not desperate for the yeah. cash right now, sit on it. If it's a signed card, Kobe Bryant signed card, that's just going to go up and up and up in value over the years. It will go up. At, so basically, people are expecting the bottom to fall out of the card business once quarantine's over. Um, I think Kobe is kind of I, but to me, bubble proof. The, the, exactly. The whole card business is irrelevant. This is effectively yeah. a signed picture of Kobe Bryant. Yes. So um, I will likely hold on to it. I will likely spend the money to get it rated just, uh, just because. Um, but uh, I, do, I did get a couple things that are worth some money also. I probably, I would say, take the Kobe card out of it. If I right. hadn't hit the Kobe card... I'd probably be da- I'd probably have hit like seven or eight hundred dollars worth of cards outside of that, uh, but I have sunk a couple grand into it at this point. However, I'm done. Keep me honest. I I said I will occasionally, if it's like to hang out with friends and do a box pick break with friends, I'll stay in the game a little bit. But like for like a couple of weeks, I was doing them with strangers, like a guy who like this is his business all day, every day, like opening cards on camera. Yeah. And that I'm out. I'm no. out of the game. No, no. Also, I'm not comfortable keeping this card in my house now. So if any of you are getting any ideas, I'm gonna, I'm going to be sending it off somewhere. Well, so don't come don't come here looking for it. I'm curious, Joe. Good fortune in your home game. Good fortune with these box breaks. Good fortune in this week's super fan quiz. Yes, we are welcoming our first super fan of 2021, Michael Peters. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. What's up, Mikey? Good to see you. I'm very excited to be doing 90s grunge. This might be the last time I was into music was the 1990s so uh i assume you have a similar connection uh yeah except the reverse so that was when i started getting into music was 90s grunge so that's when like i was a a kid um middle school starting high school uh, and that was like the first music that really connected with me um before i branched off into lots of other stuff do you have a particular song that you remember as being like a benchmark for your life uh i mean that's that's a hard one um i Probably like Nirvana's Lithium. Like for some reason that really seemed to touch me and my friends and we used to sing it all the time when uh, in middle school, high school. And, yeah. It's a karaoke classic. How much yeah. of a song can I get away with saying right now, James, on our podcast? Uh, none. Literally none. none. Okay. So I won't do it, but I will say that the first time I was ever madly in love with someone um, and we like spent the whole summer together and we finally kissed. We shared our first kiss. Uh, on like a warm summer night and I drove home and Temple the Dog, yeah. uh, Hunger Strike 
was on and that ha- that has been like top five song for me ever since and that's like the quintessential grunge supergroup song yeah yeah um i mean right because that was like bringing multiple grunge bands together and i mean grunge is always kind of a an amalgamation of a lot of things anyway 70s hard rock uh metal punk um, emo but shit yeah <laughs> temple of the dog is kind of like put them all together and tell you yeah. one so tell us about your life yeah, so uh, I live in North Carolina in uh, the United States. Um, I uh, am a software engineer, which you know, uh, shock you're cool. with a tech person in your in your lineup. Um, a <laughs> uh, wife and three kids. My my kids are are getting older now and getting into music themselves. So we play and uh, create music together a lot. Um, yeah, and I got got into poker. I don't know, maybe ten years ago or so. Um, a friend of mine invited me to a home game and it was just like 25, 50 cents, random home game stuff. And I'd always been into strategy games. And so it really appealed to me. Uh, and so I wanted to learn more. And so I kept coming back and then asked them if there were other games that were playing. And that led me to some more serious home games, No Limit Hold'em. And uh, from there, uh, watching a lot of EPT uh, online. Uh, so um, listening to the podcast, uh, you know, watching these days, watching a lot of streamers, Spraggy Lex and Benton. when awesome. his internet works um i should right, say right. michael i recently watched a tv show set in north carolina outer banks on netflix is that yeah. what your life is like surrounded by beautiful people <laughs> in boats uh, not quite we do go to the outer banks a couple of times a year i mean it's, it's a fun place to go uh but no we're we're in the middle of the state so we get access to the beach and the mountains with a couple hours drive so. and, the, and the beautiful discount furniture <laughs> There's a lot of that, too. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is that I kind of feel that the rules about royalties and intellectual property are doing everyone a disservice by not allowing Joe to sing. But I kind of think we're doing both the audience a favor and considering the current state of play, Joe, as previously discussed, probably a good thing that you don't try and sing right now. I'm a good... I Look, I'm going hungry. I'm going... Okay. Yeah, yeah. As I said, think of the long term. So... The best thing to do when presented with 90s grunge music as a superfan topic is to give it to someone who wasn't even born in the 1990s. Patrick, (laughs) our former intern, enjoyed his journey through this era. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how you both perform and what you make of the quiz that he's compiled. Uh, Some of the questions have bonuses. Some of them don't, but you know the rule on bonuses. You only get that if you get your main question right, or have multiple choice options. Uh, Usual rules apply. And Michael, as our guest, as our super fan, you get to pick the first number. Uh, It's always coming deuce. Always coming deuce. Deuce never loses. Okay, so question number two. Who was the lead singer of the band Pearl Jam? Uh, That was... um Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Eddie Vedder for two. Wait, were you slow rolling me there? That, I mean, come on. No, I mean, like, I saw his face and then for some reason just blanked completely on his name. Like, I, yeah, I remembered Jeff Ament and Ben Shepard and other people in the band. Oh my for some God. reason, I couldn't think of Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Okay, Joey, where are you going? Uh, I'll go always coming seven. Okay, question number seven. Complete the lyrics without singing. Black hole sun, won't you come, wash away the... Rain or pain? Uh, 
I'm going to go for the two points and just say Rain. Two points. The options would not have helped you because Rain and Pain were both on there. There is a bonus question. Which band released that song? That one is... Uh, so funny. Uh, uh, Soundgarden. Correct for the bonus points. And you have a 3-2 lead. I'll make sure it balances out, Michael, and you don't miss out on the bonuses. Uh, one through ten, Bardus and seven. Uh, let's go with eight. Question number eight. How many studio albums did Nirvana release in total? Uh, so, uh, Bleach, Nevermind, In Utero. So I think it's just those three. It is the three, and the bonus question was to name the three, which you just did. So that's ah, a full three points sick. for you. I know uh, nothing about Nirvana. I'm really lucky I didn't get that one. I'm guessing that any live albums and the MTV Unplugged session they did don't count as a studio album, hence just the three. Uh, Joe, what would you like next? Uh, I'll take the lowest question. Question number one. It's a Nirvana question. Uh, which of Nirvana's singles was the second most successful? And to qualify, that's based on position reached in the US charts. So what was Nirvana's second most successful single? I'll take the choices. Was it Come As You Are, Smells Like Teen Spirit, You Know You're Right, or Lithium? Lithium. No, it was Come As You Are, and that means the bonus question goes to Michael, and the bonus question is, what year was that song released? Uh, so, as a single, I'm not sure. The album, Nevermind, came out in 91, but I'm guessing the single probably was released as a single in 92. Should have gone with 91. Doesn't matter though, you're still up 5-3 and it is your question. Uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 9 and 10 all available. Let's go with 10. Question number 10. What is the name of the lead singer from the band Mudhoney? I've never even heard of this band. Oh, Mudhoney. Um, Mudhoney. <laughs> Mudhoney. Yeah. I'm thinking of Mahoney Mud from Peace Academy. Mudhoney. Oh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Take the choices. You can oh, yeah, take... Yeah, let's go with the choices. Yeah. Okay, so your options are Steve Turner, Dan Peters, Guy Madison, or Mark Arm. If it's Dan Peters, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it is Dan Peters. It's not. It's Mark that. Arm. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't know your own cousin wasn't in that band? <laughs> uh, Joe, three, four, five, six... Or nine. What's the score? Uh, you're down two. Fuck. All right. Um, give me question nine, please. Easy one. What's the name of Kurt Cobain's wife? Courtney Love. Correct for two points. And now we have a tied game as we go into the penultimate round. Three, four, five, or six. I got lucky there. Let's go with three. Question number three. Which American city did the genre grunge originate from? Seattle. For two points. Joe, four, five, or six? Four. Matt Cameron became the drummer for Pearl Jam in 1998, but which band formed in 1984 was he in previously? I'll take the choices. Soundgarden, Nirvana, Audio Slave, or the Spice Girls? All right. I guess Nirvana. 
No, it was Soundgarden. Huh. Uh, five or six as we get into the final round, Michael. I knew he wasn't a drummer in Nirvana. That was really Let's go dumb. five. That was super dumb. In which year did Lane Staley die? Um, was it 94? Should have well, that wasn't one of the options. You could have taken the options. Oh. It was actually... Oh, right, right. It was actually 2002, but don't worry, you don't miss out on a bonus, oh, and it means oh, yeah. the game is still up for grabs because you're only down two, Joe, and the final question, question number six, which band's second album was titled The Color and the Shape? Foo Fighters. It was the Foo Fighters, so that means we go to the bonus round, and it is a Foo Fighters-based question. So, Joe, you know how this works. You're going to answer the question in writing on Skype. Michael, do not answer the question when I ask it. I'm going to get Joe's answer first and then give you the option to take the over or the under. The question is, what year was that album released? So the Foo Fighters album, The Color and the Shape, was released in which year? Joe has given the answer 1998. Are you taking the over or the under on 1998, Michael? The under. Good choice. It was 1997, and that means by virtue of the tiebreaker, you have won this week's edition of Superfan versus Tapes. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, nice work, Mike. Sadly, as things stand, online poker is not part of the North Carolina landscape. What? When did this happen? I know. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a big deal. Um, that does mean that we will give you two pieces of Poker in the Years merch, and we'll be in touch to get your choices and your details. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I'm a big fan, so it, it's, a, it's an honor to be on. Great work, dude. It was nice thinking about the 90s for a minute. Yeah, I figured it'd be a nice break from uh, movies. <laughs> that is true. Good choice. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, we say farewell and adieu to everyone's favorite redneck cheddarhead, Chris <laughs> Moneymaker. Um, have you spoken? to chris is he up for coming on next week he said yes although when i said hey can you do this particular time i did not hear back so i will chase him uh, a little bit but chris has always come through for me in the past i don't expect he will say no to this uh he may be a little you know diva-ish about times now now that we don't own him anymore but uh, i have a feeling that chris is going to come through yeah so. but as i said we need to relive the glory years that moneymaker created for us and i guess joe It'll be the last chance for you to subject him to your trademark quiz. That's right. The last edition ever of Is That Your Real Name? <laughs> Which we know he loves so much. It'll be great just to torture him with that on his way out the door. Um, by the way, if you guys have any... I've exhausted my list of Is That Your Real Name? Somebody sent me one recently. If you guys have suggestions of funny names and occupations to go with them. That's how the game works, right? Chris Moneymaker, one money playing poker. Um, Leslie Sue is a lawyer's name. If you come across any of those in the next week, please send them to me, but DM them to me so Moneymaker doesn't see them on Twitter. I would appreciate it a lot. I will give you credit. Submit it by so-and-so. Um, excited for that. And I'm excited for this. Uh, 
Next week's super fan subject is season one of the Larry Sanders show. And I finally started watching it. And I have to admit, I'm enjoying it as much as everybody says. Fantastic. That's good news. Patrick's just started watching it because he'll be compiling the quiz. Nice. many years, many years since I watched Larry Sanders. A uh, couple of important PSAs. We are going to be back on the Twitches and the YouTubes on Monday the 25th. We're going to kick off our Sunday Million streams once again. I know it's a bit weird, right? Sunday Million on a Monday. But we pick up the action on day two, watching the last hundred or so players play down to a winner. So join us at the usual time for that on Mondays going forward. Plus, as we highlighted earlier on, in the next few weeks, and bear in mind our schedule is kind of a little bit up in the air at the moment based on what Joe was talking about earlier, uh, but we are going to do a kind of recap of stuff we've watched. We're going to cover off Wonder Woman 1984, the season finale of The Mandalorian, first few episodes of WandaVision, and Tenet. I know Tenet came out about six months ago, but now it's available digitally. I think more people are seeing it. And every review I've read of this movie falls into one of two camps. It has completely polarized critics. They either think it's a masterpiece up there with Inception and Interstellar, or they think it is a heap of shit and that Christopher Nolan has lost the plot. So I'm intrigued to see which way I go. So uh, that's one to watch. Um, and yeah, that's about us done, right? Yeah, in the meantime, comment, like, subscribe, keep this show going, especially if I have to take a few weeks off. We're going to need the social media boost if I'm not tweeting about it right now. Um, also, super fan applications, guest suggestions, keep them all coming. Use the Twitter hashtag, poker in the ears. But for now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.